On today's show, I'm talking about escaping the deception of evolution. This teaching that everyone says is about science is a myth. It has nothing to do with science, and I'll prove the lie of deception to you today on the program. I'm also talking about the war on our children in public schools and across the country specifically. I'm talking about a mother who confronted her school board about exposing her child to pedophilia. You will not believe their response to her. I'm talking about other issues too in the news related to the war on our children and I'm answering your questions. I'm Jimmy Evans, welcome to The Tipping Point Show. I'm excited about the show today and I'm glad that you've joined me. I'm talking about deception. I'm doing a series of programs on deception because the world today is full of deception. How can we know, you know, as believers, I'm hoping that you're a believer in Jesus, but how can we know that we're not deceived? Because most deceived people don't know they're deceived. And so I'm talking about uh, escaping the deception of evolution on this show today. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, here's what the Apostle Paul says about the end right before Jesus returns. He says, this begins in verse nine, the coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And it says that with all unrighteous deception, I've, I've never seen anything like what's going on in the world. I, I never thought I would live to see a day like today where truth is just completely rejected by masses of people, by most people. And the lies that are accepted are unbelievable, uh, unbelievable, and one of them is evolution. It's just an absolute lie. There's no science to it whatsoever, and I'm going to prove it to you here on today's show. But let me, let me begin. Let me go back to the last show. You may not have seen it, but I talked about the parable of the sower because what keeps you from being deceived is the Word of God. Jesus said in John 17, Jesus said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. The Bible the Word of God defines truth and everything outside of that is deception. You can know that you're not deceived if you believe in the Bible, okay? So here's what Jesus said, the parable of the sower, the, sower, the seed is the Word of God and the ground is a human heart. And he talked about four different kinds of hearts. And then here's what Jesus said in Mark 4, beginning with verse 24. He said to them, take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. It will be measured to you and to you who hear more will be given for whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. He's talking about truth. And there's a very critical principle here. Whoever has truth, more truth will be given to him, but whoever does not have truth, even the truth that he has will be taken away from him. Because one of the soils that Jesus talked about was the hard soil. And it says, when the word of God hit that hard soil, Satan immediately came and took it away. And so whenever, whenever you don't have truth, you're set up for more deception. Every scripture that you believe sets you up for more revelation of more truth in the scriptures. For every scripture that you reject, the more it sets you up for deception and rejecting more scriptures. And so the heart of faith says, 
The Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God, and I believe it. If it offends me, if I don't understand it, I believe the Bible. Well, what's the big deal here? The big deal is when you go to Genesis chapter 1, just let's just stay in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to talk about the whole Bible. In Genesis 1, it says God created the heavens and the earth in seven days. Okay? That is largely rejected today. A lot of people say that evolution is true and based on science and creationism is just a fairy tale and it's just based on, uh, you know, this naive belief that Christians have that God created everything in seven days. By the way, Genesis 1 also says God made them male and female and that God made marriage between one man and one woman. That's just Genesis chapter 1. You can get real controversial just right there in Genesis chapter 1. So let's just start with the very first story in the Bible, and that is the factual account that God created the heavens and the earth and mankind and everything in the world in seven days. Okay. And so some people say, well, that's, that's just, that's not science. You know, there's no science in that, but evolution is science. Well, let me talk about evolution and science. And I'm going to give you three problems with the theory of evolution. Okay. And the first problem is the complexity problem. When you talk about evolution and people, you know, talk about, you know, that everything we see came, you know, from a single cell organism multiplying, you know, evolving until now you have mankind and all the animals on the earth and all of that. Well, let me just talk about the human eye for just a minute. The human eye is the most complex organ in the entire body. And there's no way that an organ like this could evolve through natural selection. And those are not my words. Those are the words of Charles Darwin. And I want to quote from chapter six of the origin of species. And here's what Charles Darwin said about the human eye. To suppose that the eye with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. Okay, that's what Charles Darwin said, looking at the human eye. Okay, and the evolutionist mantra is anything is possible with minute changes over eons of time. You know, so when you talk to an evolutionist, they'll never give you a scientific answer to one question you ask them. Their answers are years. And you say, well, how did, you know, how did this single cell organism become a fly? And they say, well, that, uh, 10 million years. Well, how did that fly become, you know, a, a frog? Well, that took 10 million years. Well, how did that frog become over this? In other words, how did a, a butterfly become a buffalo? Okay. How can you get a, how can you get this species? It's never been observed that one species changed to another species. So how can you get this simple little butterfly to become this massively complex, huge animal like a buffalo? And their answer is always years. Ten, a billion years, two billion years. The, the more difficult the question, okay, the more that they drag it out. But listen, Charles Darwin was baffled by the eye. But what Charles Darwin didn't know was about human DNA. Do you know that human DNA, that every cell in your body has a six billion letter long sequence that determines who you are? That is your DNA in every cell in your body. Every animal has it. Okay, let me, let me give you some quotes now from the science, okay? This is from the Human Genome Project, and it says, DNA is made up of four chemicals. The order in which they are arranged instructs the cell's actions. Every cell in your body carries a DNA code that is six billion letters long. If the DNA 
from a single human cell were stretched out end to end, it would make a six foot long, microscopically thin strand. It's hard to wrap your head around all the different dimensions of the human genome because it is, it is in, incredibly tiny and amazingly huge at the same time. It's so small that nearly 200 copies of the genome can fit on the head of a pen. Again, that's from the Human Genome Project. Here is a, a quote from Dr. Francis Collins, and he's the one who discovered DNA. Uh, and he said, think of DNA as an instructional script, a software program sitting in the nucleus of the cell. That's from his book, The Language of God, page 102. And then this is Perry Marshall. This is from CosmicFingerprints.com. Uh, there has never existed a computer program that wasn't designed, whether it is a code or a program or a, mes a message given through a language. There is always an intelligent mind behind it. Okay, so understand, you have a six billion letter long sequence in every cell in your body. And by the way, that's, that's why he calls it the language of God, Francis Collins, Dr. Francis Collins. He's saying this, is, this proves that there is a God. And understand, go back to Charles Darwin. If Charles Darwin was freaked out through the eye, and by the way, you say, well, if Char Charles Darwin said that about the eye, then why did he believe in evolution? Because he explained it away with the, with the mantra that minute changes over eons of time, anything is possible, but there, it's not true. Let me talk for just a minute about Antony Flew. Okay, Anthony Flew was the leading atheist in the world for many years. He debated C.S. Lewis and many other Christians. Now, my father-in-law sponsored a debate between Anthony Flew and Roy Varghese. And Roy Varghese was a Christian. My father-in-law was a Christian. And he debated Anthony Flew, and he brought up to Anthony Flew that the human eye. And he said to him, the human eye, there is no way possible that something as sophisticated as the eye could evolve through natural selection. Then also, Anthony Flew found out about DNA when that became uh, known. And so he changed, Anthony Flew, the world's leading atheist, okay, he changed from being an atheist to a deist. He didn't become a born again Christian, but he believed that there was a God. And this is from his book, There Is a God. And I'm quoting now, the latest work I've seen shows that the present physical universe gives too little time for these theories of abiogenesis to get the job done. He added, the philosophical question that has not been answered in origin of life studies is this, how can a universe of mindless matter produce beings with intrinsic ends, self-replication capabilities, and coded chemistry? Here we are not dealing with biology, but an entirely different category of problem. And so there you have an intellectual Okay, you have someone that he, he looks at the facts and he just said, there's not enough time. This is another thing that he said in his book is, you look at the things that have happened in, in mankind and DNA and all that, there's just simply not enough time for something like that to have existed. So DNA is proof positive that there is a God and that the science is on the side of creationism, not on the side of evolution. So let me talk again. Now that's the complexity problem. Let me talk about the science problem. Okay, the reason that evolution is taught in schools and creationism is, isn't is because of the thought that evolution is science, but it isn't science. There's no science to it. It's not biology. They can't prove it and they can't replicate it. It's not chemistry. They can't prove it and they can't replicate it. But let me tell you what some scientists have said about evolution. This is Theodore Tomesian. He was a nuclear physicist with the Atomic Energy Commission. And here's what he said, quote, Scientists who go about teaching that evolution is a fact of life are great con men. 
and the story they are telling may be the greatest hoax ever. In explaining evolution, we do not have one iota of fact. It is a tangled mismatch of guessing games and figure jaggling. If evolution occurred at all, it was probably in a very different manner than the way it is taught now. Uh, this is now Princeton Professor Edwin Conklin. The probability of life originating from accident is comparable to the probability of the unabridged dictionary resulting from an explosion in a print shop. Okay, that's, that is a scientist. Now here is Sir Fred Hoyle, an astrophysicist, and here's his quote. The chance that higher life forms have emerged in this way is comparable with the chance that a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747 from the materials therein. This is not evolution, isn't science, it is debunked by scientists. Now let me tell you about a, another scientist named Dr. Hugh Ross. Hugh Ross is an astrophysicist and he became a Christian from reading the Bible from a scientific perspective. Okay, so here again, this is an excerpt now from his testimony. At age 17, while beginning to serve as director of observations for Vancouver's Royal Astronomical Society, also began a very private study of the world's sacred text, testing them for accuracy. My non-religious upbringing freed me from emotional attachments to any particular book or set of beliefs. So I started with the books revered by my neighbors, Eastern religious texts, and worked my way westward. One by one, each book failed the factuality test, and I gained confidence that my initial skepticism would be affirmed until I picked up a Bible. From page one, this book proved an exception. Not only did it provide hundreds of statements that could be tested for accuracy, it also anticipated thousands of years in advance many facts that sociopolitical history and the nature uh, and of nature that research would one day confirm. For example, it anticipated the history and current tensions in the Middle East. It also described the four fundamental features of Big Bang cosmology. One, the beginning of space and time coincident with the beginning of matter and energy. Two, continual expansion of the universe from the cosmic beginning. Three, the constancy of physical laws. And four, the pervasiveness of entropy, decay. Through nearly two years of study, this book's predictive power persuaded me that it must have been inspired by one who knows and guides the past, present, and future. I had essentially proven to myself that the Bible is more reliable than the laws of physics I focused on in my university courses. The only reasonable conclusion I could see was that the Bible must be the inspired Word of God. That is an astro physicist. And so for everyone out there that you hear this baloney that says evolution is science, it is not science. It's not biology. It's not chemistry. It's not science. It's just these people who believe in evolution don't believe in evolution because of the science. They believe in it because they won't believe in God. They simply won't believe in God. But you see there an astrophysicist just has an open mind and he just begins to read religious texts, not just the Bible, and he doesn't come from a religious background. And he said, I'm just going to you know, see what's true and what's not true. And he found the Bible to be scientifically true. He also found that the order of events in Genesis 1, the order of creation events is exactly right. Moses wasn't a scientist. I believe there were 19 events that happened in exact scientific sequence. And what Hugh Ross said is, if they would have happened in any different order, creation couldn't have happened. And 
Moses wouldn't have known that when he was writing Genesis chapter 1, but God did. And that's why Hugh Ross said, I just have to come to the conclusion that it's the Word of God. Let me tell you one more problem with evolution. It's the human problem. See, evolution just says, you, you know, you and that grasshopper over there and that skunk over there, you're all cousins. You know, you all came from the same place. You all have the same beginning. You all have the same ending. But the Bible, and by the way, we have raised an entire generation now of young people who don't believe that there's anything divine about them, their lives or about their design. But the Bible says that God created the animals on one day and the next day he created mankind in his image. And he told them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, he gave us a divine purpose. We are divine beings with a divine purpose and the Bible completely distinguishes between animals and humans. Evolution doesn't at all. Here's Psalm 139. By the way, this is Psalm 139 beginning in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed. And in your book, they were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So the Bible says in Psalm 139 that God knitted us together in our mother's womb. This is why I'm so against abortion because uh, God is at work in the mother's womb. This isn't just an act of biology. It's an act of God. We are made in the image of God. And I want to say to you right now, I don't know what your personal beliefs are, is you're too fantastic to be an accident. I want you to hear me say that right now. You are just way too special, you as a human being, to be an accident. And you're not an accident. It was not just an accident that created you or a biological uh, act that created you. It was the hand of God in your mother's womb that created you. And he created you for a divine purpose. And I wish every young person right now could hear me say that so that they would not live the rest of their lives just thinking that they came from nothing, they're going to nothing, and their life means nothing. We are made in the image of God and we have an eternal purpose for our lives. Evolution is a lie from the pit of hell. It is not science, but the Bible is true. Genesis chapter 1, if you don't believe in evolution, why would you believe the rest of the Bible? If the Bible begins with a lie, why would you read the rest of it? But I believe that it starts with the truth. We are made in the image of God. We are special and we are eternal. And that's why I will not believe in evolution, but I believe every word the Bible has to say. We're now going to go to the subscriber portion of our program. If you're not a subscriber, by the way, the Tipping Point Show is just one part of what you get when you subscribe to endtimes.com. We have articles that come out all week long, all kinds of great information in the news articles that come out talking about breaking news issues that are going on. Plus you get the full tipping point show. And so we're now going to go to the subscriber portion, $7 a month, $77 a year. We would love to have you become a subscriber. But if you are a subscriber, stay tuned. We're going to go now to that portion. <laughs> 